Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Can you all hear me now? Can we thank our tech crew for doing such a superb job? Come on. Come on. They deserve a big job. It takes a collective effort to build his church. That's what we're looking at today, building his church serve. When, when we came in just uh, this morning, you notice there's no SST. There's no ushers. Uh, there's no tech crew. Or the lights were dim. No worship team. Sometimes we can take this for granted. Just to illustrate what it's like when we don't have an usher. We can take this for granted. You know, some of us, we do usher and we think, you know, what am I doing here? Well, you add to not just atmosphere, you add to culture. You build culture. You're serving the Lord. It's a privilege. See, someone has switched on the aircon. Someone has laid out the chairs. Someone has put out the sound system. There are some people who gather early in the morning to pray, our intercessors. There's a group of people that prepare activities, materials, and lessons so that the children will be discipled. Somebody has stepped up to serve. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And to help us to look into this topic just a little bit more today, we're going to turn to the book of Nehemiah, looking at chapter 3 and 4. And please open up the Bible to Nehemiah chapter 3 and 4. See, there was a time in Israel's history, it was a dark time, where they were held captive by the Babylonians. And they were in exile for several years. But rising out from the ashes of destruction was a man called by God, and his name was Nehemiah. He was called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He was the cupbearer to the Persian king, Artaxerxes. And there, he lent his ear the king noticed his distress, asked him, what is it? He says, would you allow us to rebuild our home? And the king gave a pardon, allowed for it. Even gave a military escort to all the builders from Israel to go back to this war and to rebuild it. And this is where we hit chapter 3 of Nehemiah as we look at this, the generations built. Have a look with me at verse 1. And we're introduced to a man, a high priest. His name is Eliashib. He's a high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. So here we see this priest. He's changed, he takes off his priestly robe, and then he rolls up his sleeves, and he begins to build the sheep gate. He's the first leader, leading from the front, stepping up to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, as we see in this picture here. That whole wall there was to be rebuilt. And you see there, right at the top, on the right there, there's a little square courtyard. Well, that's the temple. And right there's the gate, the sheep gate. And what's the sheep gate for? It's literally for the sheep to go in. Now, hang on a minute. Now, sheep are supposed to be out in the field grazing. They shouldn't be in the city. Why bring sheep into the city? Well, these sheep were brought in to be sacrificed at the temple 
by the priests for the atonement or the forgiveness of sin. It says there further on, they consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. They consecrated it. They set it apart for God's work. For this was no ordinary gate. This was a gate that belonged to the Lord. It was set apart for His purpose and for His glory. This will be no ordinary wall. For it was set apart for the Lord to protect His city. For they were building His wall. They were building His city for His purpose, for His glory. Today, we are building His church for His purpose and His glory. Oh, we see a whole bunch of names in Nehemiah. Eliashib, the high priest, his name literally means God restores. And here he led the people to restore this wall. We continue to read in verse 2, And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to him, Sakur, the son of Imri, built. And so they kept building and building and building. And then you see appearing in Nehemiah 3, the word repaired. For many different families were repairing this wall. See, the word repairing means that they were reinforcing the wall. They were building on top of a wall that had already been built but had been destroyed by the Babylonians. See, a generation before them, previous generations were involved in building the wall. Now this generation, Nehemiah's generation, comes along and builds on top of what a generation had built before them. It's generations upon generations, building upon building. The names that appear here, there are many unpronounceable names to us. And each name represents a family. You see, the families built a section of the wall allotted to them because behind it would be their family property. In other words, they're building not just upon another generation, but they're building for future generations. Isn't that like the church? We're built upon other generations, and we build for future generations, not just for our own. Covenant was built upon the generations. This picture here, you might be wondering, who are these three gentlemen here? Well, first one we have Elder Lien Seng, then Elder Hua Min, and Elder Lawrence. These are our founding elders of Covenant EFC. These were faithful men and faithful women who established, built this church. Very humble beginnings for very accomplished men. How do I know they're accomplished? Because the man in the middle, Elder Hua Min, happens to be my uncle. And that's how I came to Covenant. Oh, yeah. So now you know, right? And he would tell me the story of when they were at 721 Booker Tima Road. He showed me a photo. Now, he's an accomplished man. He is a chief executive officer of a big company. But yet on the weekends when they first had this property, 721 Booker Tima Road, they would be weeding the gardens, cleaning the toilet, they were learning how to be the servant of the Lord. And he would tell the story that the Lord was building this DNA of servanthood in him that he brought it back to his company. He's a hard man. If any of you work at Phyllis Securities, you know what I mean. <laughs> but yet, he learned how to be the servant of the Lord. 
And he would teach that to his staff every year. They have what they call the annual brainstorming, and he would speak about God and how he's learning to be a servant. In other words, when you are serving in the church in this environment here, it's not just to fill a need. You are serving the Lord, and the Lord is doing a work in you, teaching you the posture of being a servant leader. So that when you go out into the world, you bring that servant DNA into your workplace, into your army camp, into your school, into your estates, into your families. Because Jesus was a servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And His ultimate expression of serving wasn't just healing the sick or ministering to people. It wasn't the fact that He lived a very rugged life. It's interesting when we see pictures of Jesus today. We see Him in His white robe with His long beard and His hair that's been hairdressed by a Korean barber, hairdresser. But Jesus had no place to lay His head. He had no home address. He lived a rugged, earthy life. It was a tough life. He was a servant of the Most High God. And he served us on the cross of Calvary. It says in Philippians 2 that he humbled himself so much from the heavens to this earth, he lowered himself to the point of death on the cross. This is the servant king, Jesus. And when we serve God, not just in the church, but outside of the church, we are being more like Christ. Serving in the church trains us as disciples to serve Him outside so that people see Jesus in us. We see a whole bunch of names here. Verse 5, it's interesting, says, And next to them were the Tekoites, repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Hmm, interesting. Their nobles. It's an interesting word to use here. Nobles, you know, like too high and lofty to do these meager tasks. Stoop too low. The Hebrew word actually gives the idea, stick your neck out for the Lord. Didn't want to do it. Too proud to do it. But yet there were many others that built the church, built the wall. For example, in verse 8, we see goldsmiths repairing. Perfumers, guys who make cologne, repair the wall. Verse 12, we see even women were involved, where it says, his sons and daughters repaired the wall. Different walks of life, just like what we see in this slide. Different people coming to build the wall. Today, in our church, I see tremendous potential. I look out here, tremendous potential. Many of us get, can get involved, step up, and serve the Lord. Because before us, there were generations who were served and have passed on the DNA of servanthood to us. And we can pass it on to future generations and pass it on to a watching world, Jesus. You see this photo here. It's just a snapshot of our history from the earlier days to where we are now. Servant after servants of the Lord, building the church because Christ is coming again real soon. And as we prepare our hearts to meet King Jesus, there's still work, kingdom work, to be accomplished in this world today. I remember when I first came to full-time service at Covenant EFC, 
uh, I had to go for a youth camp. It was a youth plus young adult camp. And there was one night we were playing lots of games at Bukit Panjang Center, and we messed up the entire foyer. So some of us stayed behind, packed up a few of the things, and then it was getting late. We had to pull all the youth to bed and have a debrief. Next morning, got down to the foyer. It was completely clean. And wondering who cleaned it up. And it turned out that it was my, the pastor that was supervising me at the time, Pastor Suibu, had personally packed up everything. Swept the floor, mopped the floor, spent three hours packing up and went to bed. And I went, wow, what an example of servanthood. It was something that I would learn and I wanted to do that. He passed it on to me. So on a Monday morning, I'll grab the vacuum cleaner and I'll go into the small room that was given to the youth ministry and I'll vacuum the floor because I wanted to learn how to be a servant. And as these two clowns, these two of our youth volunteers, they were serving in the army as full-time national servicemen. And so their uh, work routine was four days on, two days off. Four days on, two days off. So some of their off days will be on a Monday. And they would come in quietly and fix some of the electrical cables in that room. So one Monday morning, they came into the room, they got a shock, they saw me vacuuming the floor. I said, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I was a bit sheepish about it. I was like, oh, actually, I'm trying to... Trying to learn how to be a servant of the Lord. Lah. And I said, no, it's okay, it's okay. We'll, let's take over. So they vacuumed. Another Monday morning, went in there, heard the vacuum cleaner, walked in there. These two clowns are vacuuming the floor. Learning how to be a servant. A couple years later, we got what's called the Grace Sanctuary in Bukit Panjang. And so I made it a point. I'll be the last to leave. Pick up all the rubbish. Make sure all the pews were straight. Switch off the aircon. Switch off the light. Go upstairs. After a few weeks later, there's this very obnoxious youth that was in our ministry, 13 years of age. He liked to call me names. One of the names he gave me was Kokududu. Kokududu, you, Kokududu, Kokududu. One day, the guy called me Kokududu, stayed behind. Saw me picking up the rubbish, straightening the pews, switching off the aircon, and switch off the light. I was thinking to myself, Scully, this guy going to sabo me in the dark. But to my surprise, he started picking up rubbish. Started helping me. Push back the pews, switch off the aircon, switch off the light, and say, my cockadoodle went off. <laughs> Thought random. Next week, he brought two of his friends, pick up the rubbish, straighten the pews, switch off the aircon, switch off the light, my cockadoodle. Third week, brought his entire CG. The CGL came running downstairs wondering, what happened? What was the youth going to do to the room? Saw them picking up the rubbish, straighten up the pews, switch off the aircon, switch off the lights. See a cockadoodle. Walked off. What was passed on from Pastor Suibu to me, passed on to leaders, passed on to the youth. During my ordination, where I was made a reverend, <laughs> got a lot of gifts. A lot of gifts were given to me. I had an assistant, uh, Sarah Chan, and she was supposed to help me with the gifts. There's so many gifts. In comes the guy. Hey, Kokodudua, yeah, yeah, you are. Let me help you carry all my gifts to Eliza's car, put it in the car, and said, Come, I take you off for lunch. Servanthood. I had coffee with him one day. He told me, I work in the service industry, and there are some people, customers, they are really rude to me, but I'm learning to be the servant of the Lord. I said, Where'd you learn it from? Pick up rubbish, straighten pula, switch off aircon, switch off light, and buy Kokodudu. The generations, the DNA is passed on. It's not just for the church. 
It's for the world to see Jesus, the servant, through us and in us. You know, this whole list of names here is like an honor roll. We don't know these people. We don't know their names, but they're honored in Scripture. It's just like the Apostle Paul when he wrote letters. People are honored. There's another honor roll that I know of. It goes like this. Suntek and Winnie. There's Martin and Yvonne. There's Henry and Christine. There's Dixon and the other Dixon. There's Paul. Who are all these names? I can go on forever. These are the names of our disciple makers. Men and women, some are parents, some are young people, and they give their life to invest in children and youth. And today we are calling, and by faith, I'm calling for 30 people to step up to be DMKs today. 30, not one, three, three, zero. It's not because we need, have a need to jaga the children. No, we want to invest our lives in these kids. This is not an act of heroism. No, this is strategic. We need people to step up. Let me share with you something. A few years ago, when I was running the TNG ministry, we were trying to do recruitment for DMKs. We came up with this idea, let's do a video interview of people who have gone through the children's and youth ministry in our church. Let's interview them now as adults. And all they have to say is, on this video, all they've got to say is this, uh, what, what I learned, what, what, what was my lesson from the DMKs? What did I learn from them? And what do I think about them? We interviewed five of them, and all five of them said the same thing. Now, they're all not in the same room. We interviewed them individually, and they all said the same thing. You know, Matt, I don't remember their names. I don't remember exactly what they look like. I don't remember the Bible stories they told me or the Bible lessons that they gave. But I remember who they were. I remember their kindness. I remember their smile. I remember their patience and their love, and they demonstrated... Christ Jesus to me. One of the young men shared how he fought with his brother and how this DMK patiently helped them to reconcile their relationship over two years. Two years. Imagine that. It takes a lot of patience and love. And I look out in the crowd, I can see some of you who are DMKs. I thank you and I honor you. And I pray that after today's sermon, there'll be some of you who will step up and serve because it's worth it. Imagine you are investing in the next generation who will then invest in another generation and in another generation. It's not just the generations build, but perseverance builds. Perseverance builds. We go down to Nehemiah chapter 4. Looking at verse 1. Now, in contrast to Eliashib, the high priest that we're introduced to in chapter 3, in chapter 4, we're introduced to Sambalat. Sambalat is a Horonite. And he says horrible things to the people of Israel. Verse 1. Now, when Sambalat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, 
What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burnt ones? Have that? <laughs> they were jeering, they were taunting. And the Israelites, what happened? Verse 4, read with me. Nehemiah prays. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Nehemiah prayed because to him this War is to be built. It's commissioned by the Lord. I am his servant and I'm building a no ordinary war for his purpose and his glory. We shall persevere. And it starts with prayer. Persevering in prayer. Believing in a God that will deliver us. There's a confidence within because there's a faith in a God that is far beyond our imagination but just so near to us. He is for his people. And look at the result. It is written in verse 6. Let me read it for us. It says this, So we built the wall. Notice the tone of voice here. It's not, yeah, so we built the wall. Like that? We built the wall? It's not like, so we built the wall. No, it is we built the war. There's determination. There's courage. There's a great resolve. There's faith. It's a bold statement by a servant of the Lord to say, we will build the war. We shall honor our God. We shall not fear our trust and confidence in the Lord. We shall persevere together. Read on in verse 6. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. In other words, it was still vulnerable to invasion and attack. But we shall persevere. Why? For it says in verse 6, For the people had a mind to work. They are one heart. For the one God. For the one purpose. For this one shining city on the hill. God shall be glorified. We shall persevere. What happens? Oh, people plotted to fight against them. Oh, they wanted to wage war. But the people waged war on their knees. They prayed. They persevered in prayer. Day and night, they persevered. And they also took up swords. So they didn't just build. It's read there that in one side of the hip are their construction tools, and the other side of the hip are their swords. So here you have the picture. The Israelites building the wall with their tools, but defending their nation with their swords and fighting the battle on their knees, praying. And it says there later on in the chapter that the leaders of the Israelites stood behind them, supporting them, drilling them, helping them, encouraging them. The church needs to be the same. For you see, there's outside noise here, right? 
Sambalat and his friends jeering, taunting, this outside noise trying to discourage, trying to prevent things from progressing for Israel. It's the same today in the church. There's the outside noise. Oh, your religion is ancient. And the morals that you hold on to values, they're old school. And we experienced that the last few months. It came to a head last week. 377A's repeal. What shall we do as a church? Shall we cower in fear? No, we shall build his church. We shall persevere. Opposition is welcomed. That's what Jesus did. He welcomed it. He died on that cross. He rose again. Victory is his. We shall not be afraid. It's inevitable that the world will spiral downwards. The repeal 377A should not surprise us. It's just a matter of time. Other things will happen in the world, but we shall persevere. Oh, there will be more pandemics, more viruses. We shall persevere. We are on the brink of potential war, but we shall, as a church, persevere. There will be inflation, but we shall persevere. We will experience in our lives the sickness or the death of a loved one, but we shall persevere. So all the noise externally can occur, but we have a great God who speaks his word into our life, collectively, we shall persevere. But there's also, besides the external noise, there's the internal noise, the discouragement that comes from within the church. Those of you who served may have experienced that discouragement, hurt by even a leader like myself could have hurt you. We can be very discouraged and feel tired. You know, Covenant has this really interesting reputation in the kingdom of God in Singapore. We're known as like a spiritual hospital, that people come here to rest. Come here to rest. Yeah? And so, you know, you're burned out from ministry. Oh, Covenant, I believe in grace, growth, godliness. You can rest there. Oh, I'll take a sabbatical. Now, sabbaticals have a length of time. Then they finish. Then you go back to work. Sabbaticals aren't until Jesus comes again. <laughs> and discouragement can come very easily. Let me give you an example of how discouragement can happen in the church. You know, imagine, uh, have you heard of you know, audio feedback when the mic, mic goes, that's because the mic is sometimes held too close to the speaker or my instrument's not plugged in well. So actually, it's the musician, or it could actually be the speaker. Mostly, it's the speaker's fault. But when it goes, what happens? I'm a congregation member, and we all look around and go, at the tech crew. Right? We give them that look. And those of you who have been in church for a long time, you know when it goes, you turn to your partner, hey, don't look, don't look, don't, look, don't, don't discourage them, don't, 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 look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. can be very discouraging for the crew. Or sometimes an SST, 
you go there a little bit earlier, you drop your kids off at Capri, you come in, you know, you got your, that polo jumper that you sweat through, you know, that kind of thing. You stand there, you're all alone, say, good morning, welcome to church. And some people, what they do is they walk in and say, oh, good morning, thank you, you know, kind of thing. And then there's a group of people, they do this really strange behavior. Good morning, welcome to church. Oh, look at the phone, wow, very important. The world crisis is dependent on me. You know, just now we're talking about honor. Honor people. Honoring people is very biblical. We give honor where honor is due. One thing that we can do is that when we walk out, we see the tech crew, thank you for serving. I make it a point. Every Sunday, I'll go to the crew. It's not for my PR. Good PR. Oh, thank you for serving. I make it a point. When some of you are serving at SST, I make it a point. I walk around the different ones of you. Thank you for serving this morning. Most of you will do this. Ah, no lah, pastor, I'm just standing here. No, I honor you. <laughs> I honor you. And here's a good way of honoring one another to prevent discouragement. Next Sunday, when you come to church and you see that person there in the turquoise polo, you say, they say good morning to you. you say, good morning. Thank you for serving. Because we build culture. You see, as they are serving you, you're serving them. You're encouraging them. You're lifting them up. You're building them up. That's what we learn in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Build one another up in the Lord. Build your leaders up in the Lord. Get around each other, just like they did at the wall. We build one another up because we are the church. And we grow in our DNA as disciple makers, as servants of the Lord. And we bring that into our workplaces, you see. When I first came to Singapore, I was burnt out from the church that I'd served in. First church I was in was back in Melbourne, and my father founded that church, but there was a lot, a lot of criticism. Whole family, kena. Kena, bad, big time, you know. I didn't want to step into a church, but during my university days, I was introduced to a church. Oh, I love the people there. I served in every ministry you could think of. So when I came to Singapore, in my mind, I was thinking, I've been there, done that, I've served the Lord. I have the next of my 80 years to live. Went to a couple of churches before my uncle introduced me to Covenant EFC, walked in there, and hoping to hide under the shadow of the founding elder of Covenant EFC. But my uncle would probably say, oh, this is my nephew Matthew from Melbourne, he's a musician. <laughs> this is my nephew Matthew, he's a musician, a very gifted musician. This is my nephew. He plays the piano, the guitar, the drums. He sings. He plays the, the, the clarinet, the flute, blah, blah, blah. So one day, ran into Pastor Kingman at the time he was helping out with our music ministry. Introduced him to his wife. Said he plays the piano, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you audition? So I went along to audition at 721 Bukatima Road. Played the guitar. Played the, oh, you're in. You're serving. I said, oh, yeah, okay, I serve now. A couple of months later, the music director said that, hey, you sing very well, huh? why don't you become a worship vocalist? Oh, lucky worse. <laughs> then, lo and behold, one day he said, I think you're ready to be a worship leader. Ah, yeah. In those days, worship leaders, you had to wear a tie, a shirt, pants, shoes, socks. And you had to be a service leader somewhere. Oh, I tell you, I was a layperson, very young, have to give announcements, do the offering. Oh, I tell you, sweat. 
by trite. So leading, in those days we were worshipping at Fairfield Methodist. And I was a very enthusiastic worship leader. We're doing the song, My Life is in You. Everyone, clap in on this. Okay, next song is Come On and Celebrate. And I turned to the musicians to kind of direct them. And the drummer was drumming, pointing at me. Point what? Then the guitarist like, what's going on? So I went up to the pianist and said, what's wrong? And she goes, your fly's undone. All of the human race had stopped. And I looked down, and my shirt is hanging out my fly. Come on, and so I tell you, I panic. And I went midway through the song, celebrate and sing. Stop the song, let us all pray, turn around, zip. I tell you, I got so scared, so embarrassed, and so discouraged. Two weeks later, I'm leading again. This time, I was just saying something just to encourage people to sing. Pastor Ed hands me a note. He's saying, sitting in front. He me a note. I read it. It says, ask everyone to sit down. We are tired. Wow, I tell you. Wow, so discouraged. He preached something from Hebrews, I think. I can't remember. I just sat there like, I'm going to give this up. After the service, he comes, Matt, come sit down next to me. Okay. In the presence of royalty. <laughs> so I sit down with him. And he goes, Matt, I just want you to know I really, really am grateful for the way that you serve. Really, really grateful. I teared. How does he know I'm so discouraged? I don't know, but I know he's the leader who stood behind the people and asked me, persevere. Some of you are very tired in ministry. Rest for the season. Ask people to walk the journey with you. We're here not to judge you, but the journey with you. But it's my prayer. It's our prayer. The covenant you see, our reputation is not a place of rest, but a place of release. To release us into the world to be the servant of the Lord. It is our prayer that we're not spectators in the church, but we are the servants of the Lord. And therefore, whatever noise, whether external or internal, we shall persevere. For you see, the Lord is coming again soon. We must prepare our hearts to meet King Jesus. Yes, there's kingdom work to be done, but there's also a mission to accomplish for His glory, for His purpose. The world is looking for answers to a life and is found in the person of Jesus Christ, the servant king. All the generations shall build his church and they shall invest in future generations so that they will invest in other generations. And together we shall disciple the world to follow and obey and love and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We are building his church. Therefore, step up to serve. I want to end with a story. It happened last year, very recently, and it was so inspiring for me personally to see generations coming together from the different centers, from Bukit Panjang, from Woodlands, and from East, coming to Woodlands Center to bless the migrant workers for Christmas. If you were there, well, I was there, I was speechless. 
I was put in charge for a little while to help the youth worship team get their act together because they all like to muck around a lot. I remember Josh and I were there, were panicking because the, the workers were downstairs. We had just completed our sound check. They didn't know how to sing into the mic. I still remember. I was panicking. But the moment the migrant workers came up, wow, the atmosphere is electric, man. Oh, the way that they dance, the way that they sing, the, the vibrancy was there. But what moved me the most was the way the people surfed. It's not easy handling these guys. But you know what? When I see these men, they come from a long way. They give up a lot. Same with our domestic workers, the women, they give up a lot. Some have families. Some fake their age. You see some of the men there, they're attempting to grow a moustache, cannot make it, you know, kind of thing. But we jeer at them, don't we? It's not just Singaporeans, it's the foreigners like me as well. We think low of them. They build our buildings. They build our schools, our offices, our, our homes. And with the pandemic, it raised the awareness of their plight. And when they came, yes, they're a bit rough, a bit noisy, enthusiastic. And you wonder, was all this worth it until the day, the time, they had to go home and board the buses back to their dorms? And when they line up, and we lined up to say goodbye, every single one of them, look at you in the eye, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Some with tears in their eyes. Some of them come to hug us. Thank you. Thank you. That day they saw the servants of the Lord. They saw Christ Jesus in us, through us. That's what it means to be the servant of the Lord. It's not just here in the four walls of the church. We're building His church in the world. The world needs to see the servant leaders. Jesus in us as we are building his church, we must step up to serve. This is the awkward time in the service where we call for response. It's often awkward because people, sometimes they look at this and go, yeah, after the 30 minutes of a passionate sermon, uh, he's going to ask us to whip up our phone and scan a QR code. You're right. <laughs> Why? Why do we do that? I didn't preach my guts out so that uh, you hear a good message. I preached my guts out so that you hear it. I truly honor the servants in this church. Truly do. I truly honor my senior pastors who serve. I remember when my wife was very sick, went to hospital, had a little kid with me, don't know what to do, the first person that visited my wife was Pastor Tony. First person. The servant of the Lord. Busy man, but serves with heart, with passion. Full-time workers, we get tired, you know. We also can get burned out, but we shall persevere. We need the strength of the Lord. All of us do. That's why we do it together. So I invite us to rip out the phone. You can either scan or you can take a photo as Ben suggests, take a photo of this because there's a lot of other things you've got to click in order to serve. Would you consider that? Let's take out our phones, let's scan this, or take a photo of it. You can fill out the form later. 
Let's step up to serve. Let's spend a couple of minutes just doing that. Give you time just to take the photo of that. You can later on fill out the form at home. But we're looking for 30 DMKs. That's what my faith target is. 30 DMKs to step up. We need more people in the tech crew. We need people to step up in your giftings. God has given you a gift. Step up. Steward that gift to the glory of God. Let's do that together. I'm so grateful. I'm just looking at Simon right now. He gathers a whole bunch of people on a Saturday to clean fans for underprivileged and disadvantaged families. We have tremendous opportunities in our church to serve. It is great and encouraging to see so many take out their phones and desire to sign up. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to respond to you. First of all, Lord, we want to thank you that you are the servant king. You served us with your passion for your people. Thank you for being that humble servant. Lord yourself to the point of death on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being with people while you're on this earth. A king like no other. You weren't on your throne, not in your palace. You were among your people, walking, journeying, speaking. You had no address. You lay your head on stones, rocks, in soil. And you got up again next day. Despite that rugged, tough life you lived, you served. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. We honor the servants of the Lord in this church. Men and women, boys and girls, come from different backgrounds. Some have heavy responsibilities at work, but yet they're willing to stand in the morning in the hot sun to usher people into this church. People who play the drums, set up cables for the tech crew, people who run around with children on the Sunday, people who tarry in the Lord in prayer, CGLs that organize and pray and intercede and befriend and journey with their CG members, various ones who have come to build the church together. Thank you. We honor them. We give you thanks. We are deeply grateful for each and every one of them. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting today. Maybe this sermon doesn't inspire. Maybe it brings up bad memories of the past. Lord, I pray you will minister to them. By your grace, we ask that you bring healing, restoration to areas of their life where they've been hurt by leaders of the church or by fellow servants of the Lord. Lord, I pray that in that forgiveness, in that healing, in that restoration, that they'll find once again the strength to pick up that construction tool, whatever it is, to pick up the pieces and they will serve you once again in church. Lord, we thank you for your church. 
We thank you for you. Bless us, strengthen us, empower us. We pray that covenant will no longer be a place of just rest, but a place of release. Releasing your disciple makers in the world today so they will see the servant leader arising where you place us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of us said together, amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811. Or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.